So the other, the other day, I was talking to some kiddos, and I said, hey, how are you feeling about going back to school? And one of the kids said, anxious. Anyone else identify that with that in the last few days? As I realized we needed more school supplies than I had anticipated, one of my children put on all of the pairs of pants that he owned, and they were all four inches too short, and making sure everyone had enough masks to get through the week, and that I needed some for Calista to have during ballet lessons, I found my own anxiety mounting in the last few weeks. Uh, And it's been new, kind of new kinds of anxiety. These days it seems to get harder and harder as we listen to the news, as we hear how family members maybe have stopped talking to each other about various topics, and we seem to get nothing but bad news as the fires continue to burn out west. Sometimes it's just too much. It's too overwhelming. I just want to, like, turn on a show and forget about the world. How do you feel these days? Have you ever seen those feeling sheets? You know, it kind of gives you, like, actual words to the feelings. Sometimes you have so many of them, but you don't really know what to do, what to call them. Or you might not have a safe space to talk about them. Or maybe you were raised in a culture that said, it's okay to have the feelings, but keep them to yourself. Uh, Or just pull up your big boy pants and get back to work. Well, in a culture that is learning about mental health, man, how many times can we read the news and see something that is connected to mental health? We are learning that feelings and expressing those feelings are healthy. It's not a sign of weakness. I was watching a show that was set in like the 50s and 60s, and it was saying that a woman had a case of the nerves. Do you remember how people used to talk about that if you ever read literature? It's not just a case of the nerves. uh, It's part of who we are. It's mental health. It's about our health. We're learning in our culture how to erase stigmas, to be open and honest and deal with these emotions that are inside of us. So as we look to September and try to figure out, like, what series would be helpful for our people? As we read the news, as we talk with you, what would be helpful? The pastor team, the teaching team decided that we would talk about how to be laser-focused on Jesus in these days as we are filled in a world, uh, as we are in a world filled with opportunities to be anxious, to be hateful, and to be divided. And we want to point you to Jesus. Jesus offers us alternatives, hope, kindness, and love. And so today, we're going to be talking about that first one, hope. That song that we just sang, John, was perfect. He is our living hope. So today is hope in the face of anxiety. Now, anxiety is a word that even just saying it sort of gives me anxiety. I don't know what that means, but maybe because I know what it means. As I looked it up, it really means a persistent and a consistent worry. It's not just something that flares up every once in a while, but it's this like steady, constant issue. Over-concern, which is uncontrollable. An underlying, constant expectation for the worst to happen. As my kids go to school, I just keep thinking, well, they're going today. We'll see what's going to happen tomorrow, right? Anxiety can cause us to be irritable and on on edge. Guilty. Uh, A sense of doom and ominous darkness. And anxiety can, conf- can affect our body. Some of the physical symptoms can be a rapid heart rate, excessive sweating, interrupted sleep, upset stomachs, and headaches. Is anyone identifying with any of these things? Particularly maybe the teachers or medical staff in the room. And another way to divine anxiety might be a lack of hope. Anxiety is sweeping the nation. 
And in fact, some of the psychological websites that I studied the last few weeks, it says that anxiety disorders are the number one mental issue, mental health issue in our country. It says 18% of Americans struggle with them and less than half are getting treatment. Isn't that sad? It's also saying that our children are incredibly uh, inundated with anxiety and a quarter of the children between 13 and 18 are struggling with anxiety disorders. One out of four kiddos that goes to school every day, middle and high school, is struggling with an anxiety disorder. And COVID has not helped those numbers. I haven't been able to find, like, statistically what has happened, but I think I read that for some pockets of the country, that has doubled some of the people that were struggling before COVID and after. Now, before we get into our text today, is everyone feeling depressed yet? I feel like I just am like Debbie Downer. Uh, But I want to say a few positive things about emotions and mental health. If you are struggling, I want to give you hope today. Not from me, but from scripture and from the Lord. We want to give you hope. We want to point you to Jesus because he does give us an alternative to that persistent worry. The Bible points us to, in Genesis, that Adam and Eve were created emotional beings. It said that they were naked. Sorry about that. But it said they were naked and they had no shame. They didn't have shame. So that means they would have had other emotions, right? So we were created, part of our very being is that we were created emotional beings. And even if you look at the church history, sometimes it's not great, sometimes it's okay. I learned that the Catholics actually have a patron saint of mental health. Anybody know this? Dymphna, I think is how you say her name. I'm not going to give you her sad story because, man, I'm telling you, that would kill all of the emotion in the room that was anything happy. She had a rough life. But because of her father's mental health issues, they actually made her a patron saint. And there's a church established uh, for her in her her memory to give people help regarding mental health. And this was like a thousand years ago. We can also look at the scriptures in the prophets and the Psalms. People are writing about their emotions. They're expressing them. And maybe most importantly, they're going to God with those emotions. So just a word about mental health, okay? It's important. God's created you with emotion. I don't know exactly how it works in the Godhead with the Trinity and the emotions that God has and how he's created us with them. But today, if you are feeling particularly pushed, we urge you uh, that it's not just, oh, put on a happy face, you're going to be fine. But for some of you, you actually really need some help outside of just a good sermon, okay? And please, we want to be a place that can point you to those great places um, that can give you help. Another way that we are going to point you to Jesus today is through the scriptures. So today we're going to look at Psalm 46. If you have a device, you can pull it up. Any version works today. This might be a psalm that's uh, familiar to you, Psalm 46. I also learned this week that it's Martin Luther, the uh, one who established the Reformation. It was his favorite psalm. It actually was very pivotal in his movement. Also, before you walk into the Howard Drive location, there are two stone benches right by the entry, and on one of them, one of the verses from Psalm 46 is actually inscribed. I'm going to read the whole thing to you. So if you guys know anything about the Psalms, they were actually songs. I'm not going to sing today for you. I'll leave that for another week. Uh, But they were sung in its entirety, so we're going to listen to it in its entirety. And if you notice, some of your versions have the word Salah, S-E-L-A-H. They don't know exactly what this term means, but a prevailing interpretation of it is that it's a pause. It's a pause and remember what has just been read. It's a give it a minute, take a breath, 
So I'm going to read the psalm today, and I am actually going to pause when it says to. So don't think that there's dead air or that something's gone wrong with our sound. I am going to pause for us, okay? And as we see as we continue, as we struggle with anxiety, sometimes just taking a pause can help us, okay? So before I read, let me pray, and then I'll read Psalm 46. Uh, Oh, Jesus, every Sunday morning as the askers (laughs) roll out of bed and as our volunteers come and we set up and we are faced with challenges, Lord, anxiety has an opportunity to take over. Lord, I don't know what our, um, the people who are here with me in the room today, the people who are online today, I don't know what they're facing, Jesus, but I do pray that we can take a pause today. Jesus, that you would speak to us. Lord, the children in the room, the people who are online with us, the people who are hosting today, the people who have had us, helped us set up, the staff who are here in the hotel. Jesus, that you would speak through your spirit, through your word, through your presence. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change and though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, Though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake at its swelling pride. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy dwelling places of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations made an uproar. The kingdoms tottered. He raised his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Come, Behold the works of the Lord, who has wrought desolations in the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariots with fire. Cease striving and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Part of me just feels like saying amen. Like, what do we want to offer you guys today? We want to offer you Jesus. It says that Jesus was the word and made flesh who dwelled among us. So this is the word. This is Jesus. This is the truth of who he is. But just a few thoughts to give us some context in our day. Some of the verses stand out to me. I'm not going to be able to go through line by line, but the very first verse, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. God doesn't take the troubles away, does he? Not always. Sometimes we're in the hot mess of it, and God doesn't just say, oh, just ignore it, deny it, nor does he just say, come on, just get over it, you're being a pansy about it. 
what he does say is that he is here in the midst of it. He is present. He is a refuge, a shelter. He's a tent on a camping trip in a storm. He's an umbrella from your friend when you just got your hair done. He's a convenient tunnel that you find while you're out on a long run. He is a shelter. He is in the midst of the trouble. He is our strength, it says. He's what gets you through the 10th question that might pop up at bedtime. What powers you through that third Zoom meeting that you've had that day in a row? And you actually have some clarity and creativity for it. He's what gets you out of bed in the morning when you're grieving. He's that strength that meets you when you cry out, I just cannot do this anymore. And he gives us hope when we've lost all hope and gives us strength. It says that God is a very present help, assistance perhaps, right when you need it, a very present, palpable presence. When your car battery is dead and your spouse shows up, <laughs> when, your phone, when the phone rings in the midst of a hard day from one of your good friends, or when a check comes in, a mail, comes in the mail when your budget is tight, a very present help. Then the writer goes through this long list of things that are going wrong, right? This is like the morning news. <laughs> the world is on fire. The world is sick. We have political issues. There are people shooting each other, right? All of the things. Even the mountains aren't holding it together anymore. I just think that's hilarious. Normally we see mountains in the scriptures as like steady and they're firm, right? God is a mountain. And in here, even the mountains are falling apart. They are literally falling into the sea. And I'm sure you guys could write your own lists the things that are troubling you, that are bringing you trouble. And then there's that phrase, that word, Salah, S-E-L-A-H. I have a friend who has a daughter named that. We don't know for sure, like I said, but it's likely an, an invitation to pause. The world is on fire. <sighs> Take a minute. Breathe. Perhaps it's an opportunity to consider what would God say in the face of this chaos? God offers himself right after that again. There is a river whose streams make glad the holy dwelling places. God is in the midst of her. She will not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. Promise after promise after promise. The psalmist does return to all the things that are troubling, the hard things. But again, reminds us that God is present. Then there's not my favorite verse. Did anyone else have this stand out to them? Right before verse 9. Come, behold the works of the Lord, who has wrought desolations in the earth. Anyone like that one? Anyone troubled in trying to figure out how to preach that to a group today? Okay, so I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I studied and studied and studied, and there are two prevailing thoughts. One is that God brings destruction and judgment. Okay, we can see that in the scriptures. The interpretation that I'm going to choose and I'm going to invite you to consider is looking at the psalm. It says, come, behold the works of the Lord who has wrought desolations. Okay. He makes wars to cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear. He burns chariots with fire. What is he destroying? 
He's destroying the wars, the bow, the spear, and the chariots. Chariots in this uh, context, think about like in a war, you've got people and chariots, right? It's a war machine. So what is he bringing desolation to and destruction? He's actually destroying destruction in this context. Does that give anyone hope today? When it says death has lost its grip on me, it's because when Jesus rose from the dead, Jesus laughed in the face of death and said, even death cannot stop me. And it's not going to stop us either when we put our faith in Jesus. That is the resurrection hope that gives, us, gives me hope. In the face of desolation, what does God do? He destroys the weapons of destruction. Maybe not yet. We may not see it in our lifetime. It might get worse. But ultimately, the hope that we have is that God is using people right now to bring peace, and he will continue to until for all of eternity, there will not be war. Somebody give me an amen for that. Amen. Then it says, be still, for I am God. That 46 verse 10 might be a memory verse for you. Be still and know that I am God. Has anyone ever heard that? Is that the one that's familiar, right? Be still. Some might say it means quit your fighting. Or be still. Stop, cease, stop uh, floundering. Cease your activity. Cease your striving, that pulling that weight, that uphill. I say sometimes it's like running in peanut butter when I have really tired legs on a run. Stop that straining and just, again, pause and be still. And what can help us be still? Knowing that God is God. That one day he is going to bring ultimate peace and there will not be war anymore. There will not be sadness there will not be COVID. There will not be a clock that tells you that you're late. There will not be broken relationships. Somehow the planet is going to be whole, and we won't have to worry about wildfires and uh, climate change or, I mean, whatever, all of the things, right? Blizzards, they're coming for us. Verse 10 says that God will reign in every known and unknown way. He says, I will be exalted. So there's this struggle as we think about hope, that we can have hope in the face of chaos because Jesus is king and he loves us and we are not alone, right? And there's also this hope that good is going to overwhelm the bad. Light cannot be overcome by darkness. If the whole room were dark and that one little light on the back of the soundboard were blinking green, we could all see that one little green blinky light, right? Darkness cannot overcome the light. It just is impossible. And we hope for it in eternity. Sometimes we talk about the now and the not yet. It is true now, but it's not completely true. <laughs> and it's not yet because some things are still broken. But we look for when it will be complete. It reminds us that God is our stronghold, a fortress, 
Again, maybe not a term that we use a lot. All this war language is not necessarily familiar to us. But a fortress can also mean a high place or a retreat. So if you're in battle and you're stuck in a valley, that's a bad place to be, right? But if you are up high, even somewhere so high that nobody can reach you, that's a good place. Sometimes you climb a tree. Sometimes you climb a mountain. It gives you a vantage point. You can see what's coming. But it also can be you're up so high nobody knows where you are. And that is what God is also offering us. Some place where we can get up far and away from all, this despicable name-calling, judgment, and as my dad would say, dirty pool. Has anybody ever heard that phrase? Wouldn't we love to be able to take the high road sometimes and just escape all this crazy down here, right? We don't want to sink to their level. There's that kind of language. This is talking about being in that high place where God creates a retreat where we are safe from it all. So what does this mean for us? Us who are anxious. Us who are teachers. Us who work in the hospitals. Us who are parents trying to decide what we should be doing with our children. Us who are going to work, wondering if we're going to get sick. Us who are trying to figure out how to vote. Us who are praying for our friends who are being evacuated because of the wildfires. Or frankly, you just don't know what you're going to do because at the end of the month, you have no idea how you're going to financially make it to the next. Number one, I think the psalm says, remember that God is near. Sometimes when things are just going to hell in a handbasket, isn't it just like you just want somebody to be with you in it? When my good friend Christy lost her infant at 99 days, she was holding Isaac in her arms, lifeless, and she looked at me and she said, Sandy, how are we going to do this? And I said, Christy, I do not know, but I know we're going to do it together. God never leaves us. There's a verse that I've tried to teach my children because there's a song that goes with it from Joshua 1.9. Be strong and courageous. You know this one? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I'll sing it for you afterwards if you want. I'm not going to put that on the video today. When things are hard, it's just nice to know you're not alone in it. And God promises that he will never leave us. Whether or not you believe in him, I believe that he is always near us. The second thing, this verse that says, come and see what the Lord has done, and there's, there's that weird thing about he brings destruction. I think that the psalmist is saying, remember, come and see what the Lord has done. Remember what he has done in the past. How has he been faithful to your family in the past? How has he met you in those dark places before? And if you have nothing, go to the scriptures. How has he been present for people in the past? And how could you gain hope from that? And then this last point, the salah. We don't know exactly what the word means. And even if it doesn't mean this, I think that Psalm 46 verse 10 says, Be still. Take a pause. I took a class last November for pastors and uh, encouraging us to have longevity in ministry. They kind of gave us some like tips from surveys from people who had survived for decades in ministry. And one of the things they said is, throughout your day, don't just like wake up and go hard until you go to bed at night. 
take pauses in your day. Uh, I'm seeing a chiropractor right now. The chiropractor recommended to me every 50 minutes, if I'm sitting, to stand up, refill my water, go to the bathroom, and move around because it's good for your brain activity. At school, praise the Lord Jesus. Two recesses, right, boys? Woo! Right? Two recesses. Adelina, Callista, we'll see what they do for you tomorrow. Because we need to move, don't we? We need to have a pause, a change of direction. So what would it look like for you? Let's talk about this one specifically. I am trying to, a couple of days a week that I'm really busy, take a walk at noon. Don't take my podcast. Don't bring anything to do. Leave my phone at home. Just go for a walk. Slow, not like, you know, just take a pause. What would it be for you to take breaks throughout your day? Maybe there's a pause in your schedule that you can set an alarm. We have, I have a 222 alarm that goes off so I can pray for my friends, my blessed friends. There's also a Breathe app on my phone or my watch. You guys have these? You can set it to remind you. Literally, I think it's sort of funny in our culture today. We need an app to tell us to breathe. Anyway, but you can set it so literally it reminds you to like stop what you're doing and it will click on my watch. We have come to this in our country. We need devices to teach us how to take deep breaths, indicative of that anxiety maybe. Or maybe it's something where you need to fast from or take a pause from something that you have in your life that's giving you stress. I know a lot of people are taking a break from social media right now. Maybe it's a certain time of the day you make sure that you aren't on social media. I was listening to the news fairly early in the morning on a regular basis, and I've just stopped doing that. I'm like waiting until later in the day when I can handle it better. But is there something specifically in your life that's causing you stress that for a season you can say like, nah, I just, I just can't do that. Brian and I very rarely drink caffeine for this reason. <laughs> we, when we have caffeine, get a little bit more hyper than we are usually. I know. So remember that God is near. Come and see what the Lord has done. Remember the ways that God has shown up for you. And pause. Does that feel like manageable? Maybe we could do some of that. I'm getting some nods. Okay. So Dr. David Allen is someone that I bumped into as I was prepping the sermon today. And I just want to close with this and then I'll pray for us. Dr. David Allen says, Every year brings us 365 days of uncertainty. 365 days of uncertainty. Every new day brings us 24 hours of uncertainty. But every second of every hour of every day, God's presence and power in our lives is available to us. What does the future hold? Man, if anybody knew that right now, they'd be making a lot of money, right? It doesn't really matter, does it? As long as this psalm and the scriptures are true, his kingdom is forever, is forever. So every day, let's reflect on Psalm 4610 or on another passage of scripture and Salah. Pause and think of that. Would you pray with me? Jesus, there are so many places that we could go to right now and get anxious. There are so many sources um, that would give us anxiety and a lack of hope. So many things that point us to the darkness, to constant, persistent worry. But Jesus, today, we want to pause and remember, God, that you are with us, that you've been good to us in the past, 
that you will one day bring this world to complete peace and shalom. And Jesus, would you remind us, like you tell us in the Ten Commandments to take a day off every week, Lord, that every day we are taking pauses and reminding ourselves, God, that you are faithful. Amen.